Today's episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. What if comparing car insurance rates was as easy as putting on your favorite podcast? With Progressive, it is. Just visit the Progressive website to quote with all the coverages you want. You'll see Progressive's direct rate, then their tool will provide options from other companies so you can compare. All you need to do is choose the rate and coverage you like. Quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. This special episode was made possible by our Season 2 Indiegogo backers. Stay tuned after the episode for some news on the future of the show. supposed to know that- And also, I hate the monotrain. The Neo-Atlantean monorail was the prime intra-district transportation method used by the city on the seas working class. In all, there were three rails built over nearly translucent plaster steel anchored into the wall of the core itself. The first track looped from Attica to pass through Boeotia all the way to Megaris. The second and least traveled by civilians traced its way from Argolis to Oatea with a brief connection to District 4. Last, though in truth built first, the third line. Track 3 snaked its way through the city's industrial heart, Malus, on through Arcadia to finally connect in Boeotia. It was the longest of the three rails and the most notorious after Dark Fathom blew out a sizable portion of track in 2066 seizing and holding nearly 2,500 workers for ransom in one of the first events that would inevitably kick off the Arcadian siege in 2067. It was the storied route that the pair found themselves on. All right, that's a new one. I didn't think anyone actually hated the train. But okay, I'll bite. Why do you hate the monorail? No, you don't get to antagonize me for information. Not this time. You can go ahead and ask nicely. Are you actually kidding me right now? I mean, there's being a brat and then there's this. There's what? Me not giving in to your every inquiry? Your every whim, Evan? No, you're twisting it around again. I mean, come on. You can't just dangle an obscure hot take in front of me and then hold it ransom. It's unethical. Would it be so hard to just ask like a normal person? I did! I did ask like a normal person! I swear to the guy in the sky, Ella! You know what? Fine. Whatever. I don't want to know. We have an understanding, then. The deal is done. Good. Fine. That's absolutely fine with me. Also, for the record, I didn't want to know why you hate the monorail. Good. 
Great. Fantastic, even. You're so petty. <laughs> I know. So, are we ready to do this or what? Thought you'd never ask. They'd rehearsed the script, perfected it, even. For years, their special relationship and the bickering that often grew from it had been their strongest weapon while growing up on the streets. Going pro hadn't done much to change that. Evan stood up from his seat, visibly flustered while channeling the frustration that he might reluctantly admit was more than a little real in the moment, storming away from their seat dramatically. This thing about the train wasn't actually over. That being said, they'd been arguing amongst each other for half an hour now, which was 25 minutes past the point where the last passenger in the cab had tuned them out in favor of their favorite trid broadcast. In the case of the guard at the end of the cabin, to whom Evan was currently walking towards, the pair had long since become all but white noise. It might come as no surprise then that the spider drone that had covertly skittered out from a pocket between the folds of Ella's oversized long coat had gone unnoticed. The drone was a new purchase, though clearly by the wear on the bot's carbon finish, she hadn't been its first owner. It would be perfect for this job though, she thought, while pulling out her holocom to call up the drone's subtle interface. Her inexperience with the piece of equipment, if there was any to be found, was nearly non-existent. A flick of her index finger urged the spider onward, crawling up the wall before finding the ceiling to rapidly make its way down the length of the passenger cab, before taking advantage of the exit Evan was about to make for it. Hey, let me through, I need some air. Okay, guy. The part she had to play in this heist was rather important this time around. Though, if you were to ask Ella, she'd say her role was always far more necessary than her partner's. A point of view that Evan might naturally contest. How loudly he'd contest this particular declaration, of course, depended on its merit on any given day. Today, as an example, he'd likely mutter to himself about it before forcing a change in subject, because her spider had two goals. Both of them equally vital to the success of an operation that was very close to his heart. First, the spider would be planting a siphon within the holding hatch of the cargo hold it now found itself within. This was simple. The mechanism was a worker's tool and built to be straightforward. Hardy open and close switch with a safety trigger that stopped it from operating while the train was in motion. Within the span of mere seconds, the spider had found the switch, mounted in the spot Evan had previously scouted, and deftly installed the hacking tool upon its surface. So, how's it going? Good. Just good? What do you even want from me, Evan? I, I don't know. I Maybe some reassurance that, you know, everything's going as planned? Why do you need to make everything difficult? Because you're needy. You're high maintenance. <gasps> high maintenance? Shh, I'm trying to concentrate. The second part of the job that this little bot would have was far more complicated. They needed to scan and identify the correct cargo container before deploying the Trojan she'd loaded the spider with. Once the virus had spoofed access to the crate and its contents, she'd pop a leash on it. It, specifically being a factory-fresh 2112 Atlas Javelin. The Javelin was a rather impressive civilian vehicle, holding its own in the shadow of its more restricted cousin, the Interceptor. 
More importantly, it was Evan's dream car, and thus was an opportunity Ella couldn't pass up, especially after he'd lost his cab. Wretched as that smelly old thing was, it had been important to her friend, so when the opportunity to buy a lead came across her notice, well, it almost seemed too good to be true. In the event that it was, Nick had vetted the job and even commended her for it. A hell of a haul for a single chip's price in Intel, he said. So, the guard's a real douchebag. You were kind of rude. Yeah, I guess I was. What was the number on that container again? 033. It had some uh, graffiti on it. A uh, uh, teddy bear. Aww. Oh, don't even start. It was the first thing that came to mind. I think it's sweet that a teddy is the first thing you thought to paint on the container. Oh, please, Ella, please. <sighs> Found it. Working on it now. It should only take a minute. <laughs> Might as well take bloody care of him. Was... was that... Was that... was that supposed to be Johnny? What? No, yes, obviously, just... Whatever! My Scottish is rusty. Just focus. Guns loaded with snares, right? We double-checked? Triple bloody checked! Alright, wish me luck. Hey, fuck face! Wow, that looked like it hurt. Let's move, cowboy. After you, partner. Your chariot awaits. Now get us out of here. With pleasure. All right. As mentioned in our intro, thank you to our Season 2 Indiegogo backers for making this little catch-up with Evan and Ella possible as we continue to chop through the weeds of Episodes 5 and 6. I'd read off a list of names in regards to each of you who contributed to the campaign, but feel it's a bit invasive to to do so without uh, express permission. So I'll simply say, thank you, backers. Your names are each spoken in the voluminous halls of Kraken's Megaplex, all the way up there on the top of the core itself, for better or worse. So instead of reading names, why don't I tackle what's next? Our season continues on after the coming of episodes 5 and 6, with another minisode like this one that will feature a certain Rockstar's entry into the series, as well as some more of the Yakuza's inner workings. Then it's time for the final stretch with episodes 7 and 8, maybe even an epilogue, we'll see how it goes. But that isn't the end of us for the season, though. Current listeners may recall a special episode that has disappeared from the feed involving a character that will be appearing in episode 5 called Elliot. We have a whole mini-series telling his story and how he got to the point where he was in episode 5, planned to launch once the season reaches its completion. This has all been made possible, of course, thanks to the funding procured through the Indiegogo campaign, as well as the ongoing support of our patrons over on Patreon. We've been able to make Cybernautica bigger and better than it was in Season 1, and we are so proud of what's come of it. I'd have preferred a better release schedule. COVID kind of brutalized our 2021, and my own personal battles with mental health have made regular releases 
something of a challenge and a less practical reality. It's my hope that the quality of the story makes up for it. Now, before I continue to gush on about you, why don't I just roll the canned portion of the outro? Thanks, everyone. You've been listening to Cybernautica Undertow, brought to you by Red Fathom Entertainment. This episode features the voice talents of Madeline Doro as Ella, Travis Story as Evan, Undertow is directed by Amanda Hufford, written by Damian Sidlow, sound design by Chris Henry, with script editing by Jupiter Sanders. A special thank you to all of our incredible Patreon and Indiegogo backers who contributed funding to make this return to Neo-Atlantis possible. If you'd like to support Red Fathom Entertainment in continuing to create Cybernautica and other great audio drama stories, please stop by our website at www.cybernauticapod.com and find any number of ways to support the show as well as follow us on Twitter at CybernauticaPod. We hope to see you again in Neo-Atlantis, listener. Look to the sea. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish. Jesters of Ravenloft is a new podcast being recorded on Twitch. It's D&D 5e, and we'd love to tell you about it, but we can't. Because seriously, the cast know nothing about what is going to happen. Adam McNamara is mystified. Del Borovic is baffled. Guy Bradford is bewildered. Tyler Hewitt is even more clueless than usual. And me, Ryan LaPlante, the DM, I'm the only person who knows what's going on. We're live on Twitch May 31st at 8.30 p.m. EST. And every Friday after our Wednesday night shows, we'll be dropping two episodes of Jesters of Ravenloft here. So get ready, subscribe, and soon you will be journeying into Ravenloft alongside our Jesters. Oh yeah, don't tell them about the whole Ravenloft thing. They really know nothing. <laughs>